<laughs> I'm just sitting here twiddling the knob. <laughs> it's going, this can't do anything wrong. Um, I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it is time for episode number 172 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. How you guys doing? Yeah, we should make a video game about hot dogs. So that we can dog? just yeah, like like burger time except hot dogs. And hot then we should do a time. hot dog about podcasts, and then we will have a complete circle. How <laughs> do you make burger time, but about hot dogs? A hot dog is not a hot dog is not as like layers. Not as yeah, layered. it's not I as horizontal like a thing. The bun and then the hot dog and then like whatever toppings you want to squelch on top of. That it. isn't really how a hot dog works, though. It kind of is. Like mm. I, you say that because mm. you only believe in mustard and sauerkraut because right. i just listened to the episode of our own podcast like four months ago where we went on a long jag about wow, did you hot, do it while staring at your own reflection in in the mirror smooth surface of a placid lake i didn't <laughs> huh hmm uh <laughs> No, but I guess if maybe if you were looking at the hot dog end on, it would make sense. But like when you so are you trying to imagine this as a, I think we just do this as a 3D game. You uh, man, I don't want to make mm. a 3D game. Why not? It's because basically 3D the games same. are it's, the it's pits. as easy as a 2D game now. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you drop you drop a bun and then you drop the hot dog and you can't see the hot dog. Why couldn't you see the hot dog if you're looking but at it from the once side? It's dropped. Do you which s- side? Do you There's two sides. You'd be able to see like the ends sticking out like in a cartoon. Okay. I mean, I guess. actual hot dogs don't do that because the buns are longer than the hot dogs. But in cartoons, the hot dogs are longer. A lot of hot dogs. A lot of hot dogs. <laughs> yep. Uh, you just you started saying the phrase "hot dogs" and you couldn't stop. I, yeah, I get, I get it, I get it, Riff. I understand. <laughs> I'm right there with you. You and I see eye to eye on the hot dogs issue. Video games, hot dogs. Video game hot dogs. <laughs> the porn version of our podcast. Uh, so you drop the bun. So then is the hot dog in, in this game, in, in hot dog time, is the hot dog longer than the bun? Like, are there more, are there more steps so that you know that the, the hot dog is in there? So who are the enemies? If a fried egg and a pickle are the enemies of the burger time chef, who are the enemies of the hot dog time chef? Mm. You would argue fucking ketchup because you're a heathen. Yep. Communist. but you're wrong. No, I don't think that. I don't think that an, a oh, fried so egg is the enemy of burger time because fried egg is the thing you don't put on a burger. Because pickle doesn't make any sense. This is back. This is back on. in the days before fried eggs were like accepted as burger toppings. But I'm saying that fried eggs were not reviled as a burger <laughs> topping. It wasn't like it wasn't like there was a polarity shift. Only it was just in, like only it had never circles. occurred to any foodie like, weirdos to put an egg on a burger until about '97. Yeah, that's I'm gonna call it. That's when that happened. Okay. Yeah, the pickles, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, pickles, pickles and burgers are friends. Maybe the pickle is just angry that it's been left out. Oh. Or maybe it wasn't a pickle. Maybe it was one of the other numerous food items that are shaped like a pickle, but a are not a pickle. Like a cucumber, yeah. yeah. Like a pickling cucumber. There was also a hot dog enemy, and I don't know, okay. either, either the burgers were super large okay. or that well, hot dog was like if, a little if it, Vienna sausage. If a hot dog can be an enemy, then like a fried chicken or like a, a steak, like those can totally be enemies okay. of hot dogs. But a fried, I mean, a fried egg was just 
And also, why does pepper damage a fried egg? Pepper, in my experience, only enhances the, the delightful flavors of a fried egg. Well, you're eating it, and the the thing that you're tasting is the uh, egg's fear reaction to the pepper. Oh, <laughs> so it's like a so it's like a crab. Like it has to be alive when yeah. you boil it; otherwise, it doesn't taste as, exactly. as delicious. Is I that see. A thing? I've I've heard that about lobsters, not so much about crabs, but. Huh. Uh, yeah, their their panic, their panic at being submerged in boiling water is what makes them delicious. Because the, there's that whole notion about lobsters screaming, which apparently is just their like air escaping yeah, from their shells, like the steam or shooting out of the shells, right? I still, though, it doesn't necessarily make any sense. I still don't eat lobster because of the notion of because of the practice of boiling them alive. That said, I do eat crab and shrimp. I think both of which that's also true. No, of. You, shrimp are totally dead. Shrimp are frozen cook when you yeah. cook them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I don't eat lobster because they're just giant bugs. Well, so would you <sighs> would you like do like a knocker exercise on a on a lobster when you what? killed it? Like so, it, so in like meat packing plants, oh, oh, right. there is a person who's a knocker who just like euthanizes the cow with a, a metal spike through the so, skull. So basically. for a just, lobster, would you just have like I don't know, like a little tack hammer? <laughs> just I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like if if that was the method of lobster execution, would you then be okay with? consuming it if it was boiled after that point first we crush this lobster's head with a brick well right like <laughs> is it is it uh, is the assumption that they suffer longer because they're boiling this is this is a moral behavior that i recognize does not stand up to scrutiny but but yes probably like okay. if I mean, I, i'm just curious like i don't i am i am un, probably sorry rachel i'm i am probably way way more like laissez-faire about eating meat than I should be. And so like, I don't really think about it as much. Whereas I feel like I, you know, because I grew up with cattle farmers and uh, hunters, like I am, I have made peace with the idea that things had, that things die. And then I eat their corpses right. in, in a delicious sauce. It's a circus, uh, circus of life. Circus. Of yeah, I, don't, life. I don't even know. <laughs> But I guess I mean, there are certain. There things are three that... rings in a circus, right? How many rings does a lobster have? <clears throat> That's a good How question. Many courses in your meal. Mm. A lobster couldn't even wear a ring. They don't really have fingers. I guess they, they can wear rubber bands. bands. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So their ring is just a rubber band to stop them from murdering each other in captivity. Do lobsters have one claw that's larger than another, or is that just like that's? I think a certain kind of crab has crab one claw that's larger or than whatever. Other. Yeah. Crawdads are similar to lobsters. But Crawdads like are extremely similar to crayfish. Are they? Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, they are freshwater, I believe. Um, actually, they're 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 more at home in an etouffee than they are in either freshwater or saltwater. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, it should bother me to eat like a shrimp cocktail because like a hundred things had to die for me to eat that shrimp cocktail. But they're shrimps, so like. At a certain point, they're just larger versions of the mites that die when you roll over on your pillow. You know. Thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> well, they're delicious. Is it's it? the thing. It's a, you, well, you, you forget about them. Do they in your really? Own peril. Because like you crushing something between your face and a pillow isn't going to kill anything at that scale. I feel what? like. No, it totally is. No. Oh man! You every time you blink, every time you blink, you are committing a fucking holocaust. I don't believe against that, these mites. Even a little bit. It's just because you haven't ever been there, man. 
Okay. You haven't ever you haven't ever had that very special episode where you all got shrunk down in a transporter yeah. accident and ended up on your own eyelids. Just That's true. watching just watching that Holocaust with every blink. Time slows down. So for them, they have just had enough time to forget. Like the kids no longer really take the the mistakes of the past seriously, and they are just like, Whoa, we're listening to fucking eye eyelash might jazz. Who cares, man? Being concerned about war and holocausts and shit is for old people, and then another blink i forgot i mean your from, dad was rick moranis from your from your perspective it's just the blink of an eye but from their perspective the blink of an eye takes eons or i guess in the in the example that i just provided slightly less than one entire generation you should make a new tv series uh it, it should be dr where i guess and you're a space lord and your your version of the tardis can take you to any location and at any, any size. size okay yeah okay and then you could also have an episode called blink where you play out this drama with the eyelash mites the actually being on your own eyelid is, is a little is weird tricky yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You'd have you have to guys, be on the eyelid of a future or past self. Yeah, you'd have to team up with Doctor Who. The problem is do- it's not Doctor Wynn, right? Like, it's Doctor Who. So that's Doctor Where doesn't work. So it's got to be Doctor Why. Okay. Doctor <clears throat> Wentzforth. I don't know anything about Doctor Who, so I can't really participate have in Have you not seen joke? the episode Blink? You should watch the episode Blink. Is it a Doctor Who episode? It is a Doctor Who episode from the modern... I watched the first episode of the modern Doctor Who remake, and I thought... Watch, this is not for me. Watch watch Blink, because that is a kind of a standalone episode and pretty good, and will also clue you into one of the major like uh, Doctor Who tropes that gets referenced a lot. Is it like whichever uh, Next Generation episode had Worf bouncing between different parallel realities where sometimes he's married to Troy? Maybe? I don't... I watched all of that, the Next Generation, so I don't have like standout episodes that i point to as like the important ones although the one where they discovered that like all the humanoid species are humanoid because uh some precursors race just actually did they call them the precursors well they might have been i don't remember the one where they were finding hidden messages in the dna DNA. the one where the one where the guy who wrote that episode had read contact recently (laughs) yeah yeah basically do they explore the the cool thing about contact do they explore that in the movie at all no they didn't that sucks Eh. because that's kind of the point of that book Eh. in a a lot of ways oh it is it's a really good book yeah yeah yeah. you should definitely read it especially if you like liked the movie well enough Hmm, okay because the religion stuff is not nearly as as important like that's definitely like the sort of i mean they, they needed the to set up some they needed to set up some romantic tension with matthew mcconaughey because you know why wouldn't you it's a movie with matthew mcconaughey in it so why wouldn't you showcase him as probably history's most desirable male I, this is just in my opinion in my opinion i suspect and i don't know but i suspect <laughs> that matthew mcconaughey is history's most desirable male so you're not like super attracted to like i don't know brad pitt or Polly shore or something well Polly shore Polly shore certainly has his charms <laughs> i don't know everything that everybody thinks is every every aspect of matthew mcconaughey's personality that other people describe as like smarmy or douchey I it, like I am just charmed by oh, yeah. like I have never seen him in anything that I didn't like him in. 
did you watch was it Gold Rush? No, there was some terrible movie that. But you don't even know the name of it. That's, well, because I, I, I'm pretty sure it didn't actually happen. Okay. Whatever, Doctor Why. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. What else? What you know? Uh, Dazed and Confused. That was sure. mine, as well as much of uh, much of the rest of America's introduction to the delightful charms of one M. McConaughey. <laughs> he was so good. He was so good. <laughs> who can pull off that mustache? Just him. That's who. <laughs> all right. Did you see all that weight he lost for that Dallas Buyers Club movie? Yeah, he was fucking great. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Commitment to his craft, as though he needed any other charming attributes. That's that's Christian Bale levels of commitment. That kind of was, yeah. Yeah. Although the Machinist is creepier. I haven't seen the Machinist. Oh my god, you should watch that movie. I know that he packed on a lot of muscle for those Batmans. That's weird, though, because that could have just been in a suit. No, didn't they showcase him with no shirt on? But it didn't matter because he was supposed to look all unimpressive as Right, except that every man in every movie has to be completely cut now because everyone is nuts. That's that's not entirely true. There are character actors who are specifically not cut. Yeah, but I'm saying like a leading man. You don't get you don't get a movie about a schlub anymore. You don't get everyone loves Raymond to the everyone loves Raymond. (laughs) Henceforth, everyone shall love Raymond. (laughs) Guys, I've gone back in time to the time before everyone loved Raymond. (laughs) And I have news. (laughs) Oh, man. So many better shows didn't make it onto the air because of that show. Imagine if they had just canceled that before. If if everybody loves Raymond had just gone back in time, Ashton Kutcher style, and strangled itself with its own umbilical cord. Imagine, imagine how great you could have had four different primetime sitcoms starring Matthew McConaughey. If everybody loves Raymond had just not ever existed, that might if it had just erased itself from history, impinged on his uh, his film career, that was the problem. Mm, I don't know. I feel like he had a. I feel like he had a. He had a period there where he wasn't getting a lot of film work, where he was mostly just sitting around playing the bongos and getting arrested for smoking pot. Okay. I feel like it used to be. So it used to be, hey, Matthew McConaughey, pretty awesome. And then after that, it used to be Matthew McConaughey. And now it's like, hey, Matthew McConaughey, pretty awesome again. And I'm over here in the corner saying, you know, Matthew McConaughey was pretty fucking awesome the entire time. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that I was uh, right to not listen to any of you assholes for the past few years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys were all watching Everybody Loves Raymond and thinking, I'm sure I'm glad this is on TV, I guess. That I heard all of you say that. It's what do you guys that you have to? microphones in everybody's house. <laughs> have you done anything that isn't related to video games in the last week or so? Um, I've just been sitting around loving Matthew McConaughey, same as always. <laughs> I played a little bit of the new set of that... Um, pathfinder adventure card game oh yeah that's one of those things like cooperative starcraft 2 that uh kevin and i are gonna do together Hmm. five or six years from now once once we're in that library at at, after the bombs fall and we're the only people (laughs) hanging out in that in that bank vault we're gonna play some starcraft 2 co-op on battle.net which has somehow survived probably because it was the one that launched all the bombs <laughs> battle.net is now sentient. battle.net becomes skynet oh my god that's so good that's such a good name that's such a good name for the real world skynet 
<laughs> I mean, it's already got like we've taught it how to draw nukes. <laughs> like it still it still needs a human to actually paint the target. But Jesus, I'm sure it can convince somebody. Oh. You, well, it'll need somebody to tell it where to go to mine the energon crystals. <laughs> oh no, those those it gets well depending on you know which which race you want to be, you can get robots to do that. <laughs> I so like, this Pathfinder card game. Yeah, tell yeah, me more. The new the new box this year's box set is all piratey themed. Which wait, is wait, cool. wait. This year's box set? Or is there like an expansion yeah. that is all the funky? Well, the thing? way it works is every year they put out a new box. Isn't this is, year wh- two? Yeah, this is year two. This okay. is the second one. <laughs> all right. So the, the but I'm extrapolating their plan into the future. So, uh, so they, they come up with a new standalone box, which includes like, so, okay. So the, the people that, that don't know what this card game is, it is sort of a cross between Dungeons and Dragons and a, uh, and a, a, a deck building card game. Yeah. Like Dominion or more like Firestone, I guess. Thunderstone. You have, you have a deck of cards. Firestone is a kind of tire. <laughs> right. What am I talking about? Flame, flame. Thund- it, Thunder, thunder, thunderstone. It's the thunderstone. Yes. Thunderheart, right. starring Lou Diamond Phillips. Yes, and Matthew McConaughey. Ah, uh, the Matthew McConaughey card is like it's like the Goodyear tires of. So this is like the Matthew McConaughey of board games. It's yes, <laughs> basically, um, you you get your <clears throat> excuse me, you get your character who who may or may not be Matthew McConaughey, and okay. it, you've got like a sheet of stats like D and D style. So you've got your intelligence and your dexterity and so on. And those, those tell you what sort of dice you roll for certain kinds of skill checks, including combat and so on. And then you also have a deck of cards that is your character's gear, like your, your weapons and your allies and your spells and so on. And so it's, it's a deck building game wherein you're, you're drawing cards from the different deck and you're rolling dice to, to beat monsters and so on. And you gradually accumulate better cards than what you start out with. Huh, I didn't know there were dice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should play it. The, the hook yeah. is that it's designed to be played as like an adventure campaign like you would in D&D. The box set comes with, I think, half a dozen adventures that are meant to be played in sequence. And then once you've played all six of those... Every two months, they come out with another adventure deck that has the next half dozen uh, scenarios and all the requisite more powerful monsters and more powerful weapons and upgrades and stuff. And so you're keeping this one character deck uh, across all of those. Yeah, across all these sessions of gameplay uh, throughout the year or however long it takes you to play them all, um, which is which is cool. Um, and you you keep your deck separate, and you uh, at the end of each game you look at both the cards you had in your deck already, and all the cards you've acquired through the course of that scenario, and you whittle your your deck back down to your fifteen cards that you're permitted to keep in your deck, and so you upgrade your deck and so on, and and after huh. every couple adventures you get awarded with like a stat upgrade or a new uh, a new like special ability that your character has that you then and is that just like a your tick, sheet. a tick box on your okay and there yeah, are also exactly. cards that are one use cards or like there are cards that you can like use sort of like that, that'll come up and have one effect but if you like destroy the card like get rid of it permanently you can do yeah. some like crazy powerful thing so is it 
when so you say you you finish a game and then you've got your deck of cards presumably you start out with like a basic deck that is that size right because 15 cards is not a lot of cards right um do you do you have like a section where you've designated all of the cards that you've ever earned and then you just have that stable to select from so like if you replace one of your cards with another card the one that you took out is just gone. It yeah, goes back into the gone. ether. It goes back in the big box. Yep. Are you like allowed within the confines of the rules of the game to replay an earlier scenario in case you want to like, like if you get rid of a card that you're like, Oh fuck, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of that card. Is there any way within the context of the game to get that card back? Um, not like you can't. Okay. I, I've actually asked a similar question to this earlier. The, the cards that you make your, the your initial deck out of um you're allowed to choose from cards that have the basic keyword on them and oh that shit basic pardon that shit is basic it's pretty basic it's like the long sword or etc right but the um and i was there it allows you if if like your character dies and you need to start a new character, then you can you can then uh, you know you make your new deck out of basic cards. And it says if you if you need to start a higher level character because your friends have gotten halfway through the campaign and and you know you need you need to not have the most basic guy to be viable playing with them, then you can choose from basic cards or any card that is from an adventure deck that is like two numbers lower than, than where you were at and so on. Like, I I don't remember if I'm expressing that exactly right, but they have rules for allowing you to pick higher level cards. If you're having to make a higher level character, if you don't, if you don't die, can you still just swap those in? If you don't die and you have, when, when you're going through your deck, through what cards you have available to you to rebuild your deck out of between games, if you want a card that is a basic card that you don't, have in front of you at that time i don't actually know if you're allowed to just take one that that that's that's something i was actually looking up on the faq the other night and and didn't find an answer to can you describe i suspect it would not be a problem if you wanted to do that i don't see why you couldn't but it doesn't specifically say anywhere that i saw that you could as you're playing this game what choices are you making and what what kinds of choices are you making well you um it's it plays a little bit like the uh kingdom of loathing card game actually you've got a, a several location decks and you're on your turn you are um your character is located at a location and the first thing you can do in your turn is choose to move to a different location if you want to and then you you draw the top card from that deck and if it's what they call a boon, which is a card that you might acquire for yourself, like a new spell or a potion or a weapon, then that has a skill check on it that you would try to make to to pull that card into your hand. And otherwise, it might be a bane, which could be a monster or some kind of barrier, like a locked door that you would need to make a, a skill check to open. And so you've got your... Uh, you've got your hand of cards that is weapons or allies who have different skills or uh, tools that you have. So your rogue character might have a lock picking item in your deck 
that you can use to get a, a, a bonus to a skill check to open that certain kind of barrier, for instance. And so you're for for each of these checks, you're you're depending on depending on the card, you're either just showing that you have this card or you're discarding this card or you're completely expending this card by putting it back in the box, uh, depending on how uh, 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 how how single time use that card is or isn't. And that just that modifies what dice you will be rolling on this check and what your target number is. But but really, you're just like you've got how many how many locations are there to choose from? It depends on how many uh, players there are. I think it's like three plus one for every extra player. So all you're choosing is which of you are you're choosing which which deck you're going to pull from and what cards you're going to play like expend to, to, to in, beat that in service of, of accomplishing. What, yeah, okay. You can also like flip over a card and then be like, "I can't deal with this," and then sort of walk yeah, away. Yeah, you, you just, you just, yeah. If, if oh, and then you can like marshal, you, you can marshal your resource or come back at a time when you have a more favorable draw or for some, that. Let somebody right. else who is better equipped to deal with it deal with I see. it. Right? How do you know all this, Kevin? Have you like I played the game at oh. PAX last year? Oh, um, they're actually doing something uh, kind of interesting this year. The because of the way the the characters work, you're you're building your character out of cards out of the box set and that ties your character to that box so like if you if you're playing a weekly game with your friends those character decks all stay in that box because whoever's box it is owns all those cards and that means you can't take your player your character to play in any other games so they're starting this thing where you can buy a class deck they have like a deck for each class so you can buy like the cleric deck or the rogue deck or whatever and that gives you uh, in the deck, it has four uh, character cards, so you can choose to be Bob the Cleric or Joe the Cleric or whoever, and, and they all have slightly different stats and different abilities. And then you get a stack of the basic cards that you're going to build your starting character out of, plus a deck of essentially loot cards. And then that allows you to own all the cards that your character is made out of, so you can then take that deck down to the game stores, you know, weekly game night or to a game convention or whatever and play your own character in a pickup game. And then, but so then you just don't get to keep any of the loot or you, you have a copy of every piece of loot that you you might write down what you got. What happens is loot, loot you gain from the, from the box during that game, instead of taking away that card, you see what kind of card it is. So you might say, okay, I would have gotten a weapon card from Adventure Deck 4. And then you look in your personal deck of loot cards and pick uh, a weapon of level 4. And that, oh, so and it's, not ad- it's not identical, it's just like similar. Right, and, and and because they're arranged by class, like the rogue deck is all weapons that are appropriate for a rogue, for instance. Huh. So, so, so you, when you're when you're actually playing, is it a deck building game in the sense that you have a certain number of cards that are your hand, and you draw and yep. discard and cycle through it? You do. Uh-huh. So, yep. do you know about that before you make the decision about which adventure area to go into? You do. Do you, right. like you, you know? You, you have your hand. You have your hand. You have your you hand, and then you have your you, hand drawn. Yeah, like you draw up at the end of your previous round. Okay. Yes, yeah. and also the the adventure uh, locations, like the 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 cards identifying each location, say on them what cards that 
that particular location deck is built out of. So you'll see like the card that says the CD bar and it'll say on it three monsters, two barriers, four weapons, and so on. Hmm. And so if you remember how many monsters you've seen come out of that deck, then then you, uh, then you have a better idea of what's yeah, left. You have there. a better idea of what you're going to see. We're uh, one of the guys at the office is trying to put together a recurring game night. We should bring the Pathfinder game. It's a good game. It yeah. plays well solo too. Although I, yeah, I that it was the other be, thing. It would be handier with an iPad version, but it plays well enough solo. I would feel no no offense, Riff, but I would feel weird about that. I think. I played a lot of Car Wars solo when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't feel weird playing, like, a solo game of Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering online, I don't I don't see any difference, really. Because it's a solo board game instead of a solo computer game, I don't think that makes it strange. You're just, you were just also playing the computer? Oh, you're saying if, if I were playing it against AI? Yeah, well, in this case, the AI is, like, the deck sure. of cards. Yeah, because it's yeah. a cooperative game, so... I don't know. I that's different in my head. I don't know why. It might be dumb that it's different in my head, but yeah, it's understandable. Like playing Dungeons and Dragons by yourself just seems sad in a way that playing and like if you Starcraft, imagine, I, I imagine also played like, Dungeons and Dragons as solo as a kid. And actually, we we we've been talking about the concept of of solo or at least GMless Dungeons Not and Dragons. Solo? That's for I don't want to make a game for dweebs. <laughs> Just I mean, come on. Any 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 GMless game by its very nature can also be played solo. I don't know if that's true. What? Well, any GMless could, non-competitive game. You could build into the rules that you had to have more than one person to accomplish even the simplest <laughs> task. I don't think I don't think that you betrayal... can attempt to play this solo, but <laughs> it's fuck but, you. But in this world, it is against the law to tie more than one of your own shoes per day. <laughs> betrayal Betrayal at House on the Hill starts off as a as a, as a cooperative okay. game with no GM. Okay, sure. Well, but it be, it it becomes competitive. So I mean, so does, you so could, does any you good pen play, and paper game. Yeah, you could play the first part of House on the Hill solo. I, I'm not sure what you would do once the once you rolled too high to get the uh, event. Man, when we get to Portland, we are going to go so insane and murder everyone in the service of some elder god. <laughs> Why it's is gonna that? It's going to be great. I uh, scary murder field. Oh, it's gonna be so close to Halloween. He's gonna be in full scary murder field mode. He's gonna he's gonna run a one off uh, Call of Cthulhu session for us. Oh about. yeah, yeah. Forgotten, but I, I actually I'm wondering if that's gonna happen. It's the schedule has started filling up with. Stuff. Oh no! Well, yeah. Riff, you know you're going to an escape the room in Portland, right? I have heard that. I'm very excited. Okay. All right, we got to figure that out. We got to make them open up some dates. They, they they'll do it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, good. Are you, it's are you, so good. Are you the one in charge of making all that happen, Kevin? Yeah, I'll make sure that you get. Okay, cool. He'll although, even, although that's a question, I guess I'll have to like figure out what time makes the most sense for people. He'll even hurl you there in a giant sling. That's true. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I've never done that before. I'm ready. I'm hoping desperately that I get to hang out while they run it for you, so that I can see how it's done. Yeah. From the, like. Yeah, we want to. We want to creep around in the control room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, man. Imagine the cool fart jokes we'd be able to make on that display screen. It's true. <laughs> Pretty cool fart jokes, Riff. We know what you like. <laughs> you like video games, right? Have you I been playing like any video games, Riff? Um, this week has mainly been catching up. I, I 
started back playing uh, Leighton versus Wright again, trying to trying to finish that so I can go back and play, finish Ekebe's uh, trip so that I can finally play Danganronpa two that's been sitting on my desk. Wait, what? What, what is that dependency what? chain? I yeah, don't understand. how does that work? Just because because I these were games that I liked and got interrupted playing, and I I don't want to move on to new stuff without finishing them. So this is like mm. a philo. I don't, don't want to throw them away. Yeah, it's like a queue, I guess. So more Phoenix right versus Professor Layton. Yep, it's still pretty good. Are they really versus? Well, no, no, they're allies. Yeah, it's like Phoenix Wright and Professor Layton, BFFs forever <laughs> versus the world at the ATM machine. <laughs> um, I played, I played like a tiny bit. Like I looked, I did the first couple tutorials. Excuse me, in the new uh, iPad version of the Pokemon trading card game. That looks hmm. like maybe okay for people who are into the Pokemon trading card game. Was I don't know anything about the Pokemon trading card game. Was it any good? It's okay. It's like a pretty simplified form of magic. So <laughs> any, completely any, any, distinguishable from technology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how does it? How, can you can you describe how the Pokemon trading card game works and how this game works? And is it okay. like free to play where you buy cards? I or? haven't got I haven't gotten far enough uh, through the tutorials to find out what the free to play is like yet. Or card acquisition, but the way the, the trading- tutorials each cost five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the way the card game works generally is that you've got your your Pokemon. You've got a deck which has Pokemans and energy cards, which are like uh, mana from Magic the Gathering. There's different colors of them, and uh, your Pokemon has uh, a couple of attack skills that require differing amounts of energy to, for it to use. So, like, say I've got, like, a Squirtle out on the table, and it's got one power that requires one water mana to use and one power that requires two water mana to use. And every turn I'm drawing a card from my deck, and you can play one energy card a turn. So I play, like, a water energy on Squirtle, so this round it can use its its first power, and next round, when I've played a second energy card on it, it can then use its second power. Could it use its first power twice? Yes, yes. Okay. okay, so the mana goes on to the... the... The mana is attached to the creature, yeah. Hmm. And and you've also oh. got items in your deck, like healing potions, and you've got... Um, oh, do they have the... persistent hit points? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. So is it like you got to carry also a bunch of beads when you're playing this game? Yeah, when you're playing it, like in real life, you would have like some glass counters or something. The iPad app, of course, just writes the number on the corner of the card for you. Um. Aren't there like, got, like nine thousand evolution cards so that like whatever the upgrade to Squirtle is, uh War Tortoise, I guess. You when you draw that card, if you're if you if you've maxed out actually, I don't remember what the qualification is, what what determines when you can play an evolution card on a guy, but you play your War Tortoise card on top of your Squirtle card to indicate that it is leveled up and now it has slightly different and more powerful powers. Aren't there a lot of colors of Pokemon? Like, aren't there? Aren't there, there a lot are, of elements? But it, it, st- it stripped them down for the for the card game. I don't. I mean, know I guess there weren't actually are in the card. There game. weren't that many when the card game. Became there were still more than there are in the card game. Um, I feel like it 
I don't think it has more than like eight colors, possibly not more than six. Are you required, like, what are the deck building strictures? Are you required to have at least two flavors of Pokemon? Because it seems uh, like... I don't remember, and I haven't gotten far enough in the iPad app to tell you. Hmm. You know, I might actually download this thing and play it, because... Yeah, I mean, it's free to play, so if you're interested in, in the functionings of card games, it's worth a yeah. look. Because I got nothing to lose. Except for those precious minutes of your life can you target attacks like uh you mean like against different pokemon yeah is it like hearthstone where you're attacking a guy with a guy or are you just attacking with a guy and they choose whether to block it or not it is more like the pokemon video games you have one pokemon that is your active pokemon and the rest of your pokemon are lined up behind it as like your your stash i guess your your backup dudes and you can, you can like your dancers. Yeah, and you can spend in your when your Pokemon attacks. It's only attacking your opponent's active Pokemon, and you can spend an energy card off of your Pokemon to pull him back and replace him and make a, a different Pokemon active. And then the the condition for winning a match is to either defeat six of your opponent's Pokemon or to defeat like their last pokemon that they have in play like if they have not managed to to play six monsters then just defeating their last active one when they don't have one to replace it with is a win condition hmm is the app just called pokemon um it might be called pokemon trading card game or pokemon tcg or something like that who owns that? Is it still Wizards of the Coast? I think it's owned by the Pokemon Company. Huh. I don't uh, know if... Does Japan not own Pokemon? <laughs> it's like I mean, it's a national Japan's treasure, national but that doesn't sport. mean it's a national national yeah. property. I forget the name of... Because they weren't always named the Pokemon Company. I forget the name of the company that made like the first couple games. I don't know if the Pokemon company they changed their name to thing. the Pokemon company or if the Pokemon company was created and then subsumed the, the game company or what. There was a brief time where they were trying to diversify their holdings, diversify, diversify their holdings and they became the Pokemon and French fries company, but then nobody wanted the French fries. So they just changed it back. Pokemon company international. Is that what it's always been called? Uh, I think so. What are you basing that on knowledge or Wikipedia? Okay. So exter- external knowledge. Sure. Anything else, Riff? No, that's about it. What, what about, about you, you, Keb? What about you, Kebon? Um, not a whole lot this week. Move um, the box. No. Uh, most interestingly is just all the different cut the rope variants. Um, I don't know if I would characterize that as interesting. They're good. They're fucking good games, man. Like the first game was pleasant, um, but they like continue to, to like make interesting puzzles, interesting little physics puzzles, basically um, with a very limited set of verbs that are just good. They're just, they're just like well-crafted, well thought out. I, I like them a lot. Okay. Um, I believe you. Uh, and then I've, God damn it, fucking 
Clicker Heroes or Hero Clicker or whatever the fuck that oh, game is. I'm surprised you weren't strong enough to stop playing that. I'm I, no, I just this, I picked too. it up yesterday, oh, so yeah. I have I let it run that, on my computer last night. And that like, that game has an advantage over other sorts of games like that. Although it's also sort of makes it more insidious in that it continues to accumulate gold for you even when you don't have that window open. Oh, does it? Yeah, if if you oh. you can just shut that tab off and 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 not even think about that game, not have it anywhere on your computer, and the next time you load it up, it'll say, "Hey, while you were gone, your adventurers made fifty nine thousand quintillion gold for you." Interesting. <laughs> you want to spend it now? Because <laughs> Zach closed his and he thought it was gone forever, but now maybe he'll open. Yeah, it but I was again. glad. I was. I did. Like I thought. Oh fuck! I just closed that. And you know what? I'm not going to open it again because that there is nothing there. Yeah. It is I, weirdly oh, insidious. Nothing it's like, there. It's terrible. It but is yeah, such it, high production value, though. Yeah. 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 That's, and, that has got to be using the assets of a real game that that company made or that they stole from some real game. Because why would you make all of that for this? Right. Yeah. Like, that, like that no has to be. Play. Yeah. It has to be from something else. It doesn't even have as much like interesting decision making as like the kittens game has you don't oh do yeah anything. no no not not even the, yeah the kittens game and civ clicker and yeah. even candy box and stuff had a lot more going on than this like but, this is akin to cookie clicker yeah man where it has less I've, going on than cookie clicker even i've quit playing like three times it's like fuck this stupid thing and shut the window and then the next day i go man i bet there's a lot of gold waiting for me in that thing. Yep. But it never, like, I just looked at all the upgrades and it never goes anywhere. It never goes anywhere other than just more of the same thing. Like, it's boring. Yep. It's, it's terrible. boring. But I still ran it for, like, four days. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's just, it's drugs, right? Like, it's yep. just drugs. It's, that's all it is. Yep. You say that like drugs are bad. They're not. I mean, there's a place for them. Like it's, there is a place for mindless vice, but. What about Adel vice? I get enough of, I get enough of that out of things that I think actually have a little scintilla of value hiding in them or something to learn in them or are at least structured such that they meet out novelty over time rather than just meeting out nothing which is what this does yeah just, like it's just but it does number. have novelty right because like you keep unlocking new heroes or whatever and new skills but none of them new but none of them are bosses. none of them actually are anything right like none of them work in any different ways or give you any decisions to make like I get why it's compelling. What what I am asserting is that it doesn't have any value. Whereas I think there are plenty of things that are compelling in the same way, more compelling even, and also have some value. There's and probably I mean, I, an optimization puzzle to it, right? Like what makes the most I mean, sense it does to have buy at any where, given time? Like there's like one high level hero whose power, if you unlock it, is to start the game over. And you acquire hero souls based on the accumulated levels of your guys up to that point, which allow you to progress faster the next time through. Yeah, what like what is the like 
the summoning of the ancient ones thing that I just unlocked. I'm not sure. So yeah, like, it's probably just more damage. It's per yeah, second. it is almost certainly just this like, gives you another ten percent DPS. No, it was. This is like a different tab. This is like a this is like a different thing entirely. It's like the fourth tab because there's uh, like God there's damn like, it. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Like like. There's a thing, and I like I don't know what it costs hero souls to use to to even do it, which I don't have any because I haven't restarted the game. So, I fuck if I know, man. This is worse than derivative clicker. <sighs> yes, I I do value how much polish has been put into it. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, like super super high production value. Like I was looking at the health bar, I was like that health bar goes from like green to red in a nice little spectrum and i was like oh i like that i wonder if that's something that i could steal for some other game i didn't even look it's not that little window isn't flash is it i have no idea it looks kind of like flash could be flash could be html5 yeah it's, i'm not sure if it's it html5 i'm even more impressed with how nice well it, it is the animation the critical hit thing is so yeah, good like the, the shaking just, the screen the, the animation good the animations are nice but th- you can see the seams and sure. like stuff yeah. stuff will happen that you're like oh that obviously which is what led me to believe that they had just taken the assets from some other game it links below the game to a different game which would not surprise me if that is what this is all from. And these people are just so sad because this nothing bullshit is so much more popular than whatever it is that they spent all of that time and energy making all of those sprites for. Free and zero like friction to play. Yeah. So what is it even called? The other game? No, this one. Uh, Clicker heroes. Is, is it, is that the name? I don't remember. I can't remember it. It's that or heroes click hero clickers. This is like that. I think hero clicker. That sounds right. You're you're not thinking of hero clicks. Uh, the mini, the miniatures game from the early two thousands. Clicker heroes. Yeah. Man. What is wrong with humans? It is not running in my iPhone. So maybe it is flash. I'm going to reset this Skype call. It is Flash. Yeah, it's totally Flash. Okay. I'm going to take a little break and get another beer then. Anything else, Kevin, besides no hero clickers? Clicker heroes. Terrible clicker heroes. What about you, Zach? You know know what I have done? Uncharacteristically, I have not only played, but I have finished two games that came out in the last week. What the fuck? Who are you? What's going uh, on? I played I played through uh The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Okay. And then I beat Wasteland 2. Oh my god. Um, Wasteland I'm, 2. I'm, you beat Wasteland 2. Yeah, it's good. Holy shit. It's long. I'm it was, interested I, in Ethan Carter. Is it is it good enough that I should I should get over my hate of Windows and go play it? Yeah, because you can do it in a sitting. Okay. Um although <clears throat> so it's it, it's fine. You should play it. That it's, is well. Wow, that is a ringing endorsement. It's fine. The, <laughs> the game has. I'm trying to figure out how to not be spoilery about this, but okay. So imagine, imagine a game that takes place in. So you're running down a hallway, and you run like 40 miles down the hallway, and then there's a trap door in the ground, and you go down. And then you run 40 miles back the way that you came in the hallway on the floor underneath you. 
Um, on your way back, you unlock a trap door about three quarters of the way down that lets you skip between the floors, uh-huh. right? So it opens up a little bit, but, a but largely it's this line with a shortcut in the middle. And to, to finish the video game, there is a checklist of things that you have to have done in order to, like, say, get the ending cutscene. Yeah. And that checklist is not presented to you in the UI of the game, but only in a sort of diegetic map on the wall at the very end of the bottom hallway. Okay. So it kind of tells you where the things are that you need to go interact with. There are... It claims to be a non-linear game, but there is basically this checklist of experiences that you have to have. This but you checklist could have them of, in any order. You could have them in any order, but you yeah. have to have all of them in order to get the ending of the game. And if you don't have all of them, you just basically end up in a room where nothing happens. Okay. And on the wall of that room, there is a map that is also a checklist of which things that you've seen and which things that you haven't seen. And so then you just have to go back and do them all and then go that back to non-linear. that room and then you get the ending cutscene. It is nonlinear, but it's also fucking annoying. <laughs> okay. I... Did everything but one of the things that comprise the entire game and entitle you to the ending cutscene. The fact that the fact that the the environment is so linear means that you're kind of done by the time you get through to the end, right? Mm. And if you miss the little branch things, some of which are extremely difficult to find, then you just have to run all the way back. And look for them. Oh, and then wow. you're like... They don't like you, like, teleport back? No. They give you huh. that one little shortcut, like, three quarters of the way between the hmm. two, hmm. across the, across the kind of horseshoe that it is. It doesn't, like, you look at the environment, it just looks like a map. It doesn't look super linear. It just is super linear because that's how first-person games are designed when they're not Skyrim. Right. Right. <clears throat> it's... The atmosphere is cool. The story elements are are fine, you know. The environments the environments are neat. It's you should play it. There are just some there are some structural things about it that are. You're just saying it's not like Skyrim. Just made me want to play Skyrim some more. Oh yeah, no, you always want to play Skyrim. (sighs) That's what everybody wants to do. You know, the only thing better than Skyrim would be Skyrim modded such that every character was Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, yeah, not. uh... Like dragons with WWE. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. Ah, oh, <laughs> God. is the best, best mod. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't really beat it. I, I played through to the end, saw what it was asking me to do, did a little bit of it. There was one puzzle that just might as well have been, like, Zach repellent, though, because it was just... Even the walkthrough video of this puzzle was eight minutes long. And it's a thing where if you fuck up once, you have to start over. Now, is it like an alchemy thing or something? No, it's... I'm going to spoil, I'm going to spoil this because I'm not actually spoiling anything. So there is, there is a house that you can go poke around in. And then there is another house that is, I guess, actually like a magically concealed 
entry into the first house or something or or there are two houses and they're identical but one of them has been shrouded in magic to protect its contents from trespassers or whatever and so basically every doorway in the house has become a portal you walk up to the portal and you can toggle through which room it leads into and like you're, the real room or the shrouded room or whatever no no just re- like you just toggle between three like so imagine you took a house uh, like a kind of a confusing three-story house in which all of the rooms because they all just look like shitty falling apart barns are more or less indistinguishable from one another except for like the shapes of the windows that are visible to you okay so you t- you take a house and every doorway you toggle you 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 choose three doorways in the house one of them the one that leads into the room that you would actually be going into if you went through this door and then right. two others and then you force the player to choose which room they go into when they go through that door and then that locks that door to that room oh wow whether it's the correct one or not you start over at any point where you produce impossible geometry Hmm. Right. And so the goal is it's basically like a jigsaw puzzle. It's a house that you're assembling one room at a time, but you're assembling it by every time you go through a door, choosing which room you go into. Right. Right. So you basically you have a you have a key, which is the house next door that you can go and you can you can roam around in and you say, all right, this is how this house fits together. So then you go to this other one and you just have to assemble it a room at a time from memory or you draw a fucking map or whatever. And I see. Sorry, but fuck that puzzle. Really? Like, that sounds yeah. interesting to me. Mm, okay. Well, then you'll do it and you'll have some fun. But like, and eventually your reward is, and I watched a video of this, is you get to go into some secret room and you get a you get a piece of paper to look at or whatever. That's the reward for sort of all of the things is that you get a little more story and it's fine. That sounds good. Sure. Sure. It is fine. Huh. Um, so I just looked, I'm just like, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm just not going to solve this puzzle. It isn't fun. <sighs> what? I am fascinated by your relationship to puzzles because there are puzzles that you will spend hours working on, but I don't know what differentiates those from this. Because this sounds like... It, well, it's a spatial relationship puzzle, so it is entirely out of my wheelhouse, right? Like, envisioning okay. 3D space is a thing that I just can't do. It is also... And ex- a puzzle that is extremely punitive of failure, which is okay. another thing that is mm. off-putting to me in in game design. Okay. And I was only doing it. I what like I had encountered this thing, and I'd been like, ah, all right, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna see what else there is to do in this game because I'm not having fun with this. And then at the end, it was like, well, if you want to see the ending cutscene, oh, this you, is the one thing that you skipped. Yeah. Oh. Wow. If you want to see the ending cutscene, you got to go back and solve this. And so I just went and like, well, okay. What I thought when I got there was maybe I don't have the stuff that I need to solve this puzzle. Right. Maybe there, maybe somewhere there's a key to, and it turns out there is a key. It's the other house that's identically laid out. Doesn't look the same from the outside. So I'm not actually sure what's happening in the fiction there. Um, but whatever. So yeah, I just like, I could also just not do this and then watch a video of the ending cutscene, which (laughs) is what I did. And that was fine because the game is really a series of videos that you watch okay. playing out a story. There is There are environments to explore and then you... It has a neat conceit. It has a conceit that, that reads in a very dreamlike way where you are like a sort of a psychic detective and you can watch... 
vignettes from the past of murders if you can get the environment into exactly the same configuration that it was when the murder occurred. So a lot of it is finding objects and figuring out where they were. You never really have to figure anything out. You really just have to look around and it's like, there's an axe-shaped shadow on the wall behind this axe hook in this axe cabinet. I wonder what goes here. Could it be? And then the word axe with a question mark will swirl around you in this cloud. And then you move, the, you, you move your facing around and the cloud sort of con- converges on a point when you're pointed at where the axe is. Right. And then you, the camera moves over to the axe wherever it is. Sometimes, sometimes. Like the first time this happens, the axe is in a place that is completely dark, and so the camera switches to a fucking black screen for a few seconds to show you something about what's going on in this world. And you're like, <laughs> uh, thanks, I guess. Was uh, that a bug? Was that like the vision that that bikini lady showed me in Two bad. Worlds 2? So, like, so you don't actually have to find any of the key items for yourself. It just shows you exactly where they all are. Well, you don't always, you can't always identify the environment, right? Like some, sometimes that, sometimes you have to like go around some corners to get to it, which usually <laughs> fucks me up. Man. But no, there's nothing hard about this. Like it's, it's, it it's mostly like, exploring an environment and not, not solving puzzles that, it sounds like an uh, so like a series of interesting like exploration puzzles these guys had figured out and then play tested and just like in in conceding to the the demands of of their playtesters just boiled all the all the difficulty out of it until there wasn't much left. But I think it would be impossible if you didn't signpost it, right? Like there's you know, you like have to find the environments are pretty big, right? And if you just have to find something that's like gray, that's near a gray rock somewhere, like okay. you could just look that, around for fair. hours and never find it, <laughs> right? It's just, it's weird when, I mean, like Chris Remo had posted a screenshot of a swirling cloud of the word rock with a question mark on it <laughs> in front of a big pile of rocks. Oh, and it's right. like, yeah, yeah. yeah? Yeah, no, I'd work that out. Like, I didn't really need psychic powers to identify that. It's, it's. That didn't make any sense to me not having played the game. I was like, yeah, I had no uh, idea. Yeah, no, it's weird. Like, because what it looked like was just a a, a 3D environment where all of the rocks were labeled rock question mark. When in fact, the rock that you're looking for in that scene is none of those rocks. It is a rock, it is a rock that used to be there, but has since been moved. And so you, and you know what? That one actually. That the rock that you're looking for there is not interactable until you have gone to the place where it used to be, gotten that little cloud of the word rock to appear, coalesced it into the direction that you're supposed to go and identified the rock based on you sort of experiencing the vision of it. Anyway, once you've reconstruct, once you've like gotten a murder scene back to the way it was, the, the soul of the person's corpse flies out into three to five different thing, different places in the environment, which you then, and this is so dumb and so contrived. You, you go to the places where the soul fragments have landed really upsetting the goat man. <laughs> Each of them creates a still image of a scene. You then 
place the scenes in the order in which you think that they occurred by literally setting a floating numeral above them using mm-hmm. sort of in-world UI prompts and then press the space bar to try to play the scene back. And if you have them in the right order, then the scene just plays back. And if you... I think maybe if you have the correct first one, it plays the first part of the scene. And if you have the correct first two, it plays the first two. But other than that, it's just trial and error and watching the same fucking cutscene over and over again until you get them in the right order. Luckily, after the first one, I never had any trouble figuring out which order the things went in. But uh, the big words start and end. Well, and the fact that it's like, well... I'm guessing the part where this guy is dead probably happens after the ones where he was alive. (laughs) And because he was killed with an axe, I'm guessing the ones where the guy's holding the axe (laughs) happened after the ones where the guy didn't have the axe. Like, yeah. Those don't necessarily, because you can not have an axe after having an axe. (laughs) No, that's true. That's true, I guess. There's, there's like, man. It, I don't, I'm not trying to talk anybody out of playing this because I enjoyed it. Uh, okay, there you're are, making a compelling case for us not some, to play this game. There are some cool things in it. It's, yeah, man. <laughs> it's. I feel like it could have used some more time in the oven, maybe. Hmm. Anyway. I also, I have a really frustrating uh, complaint about the end of Wasteland 2, not to try to be spoilery, but just, you guys all know how Metroid ended, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's imagine... Turns out you've been a girl the whole time. Let's imagine that the way Metroid ends is the timer starts when you defeat Mother Brain. Yeah. And you have a certain amount of time to get out of the area... But the first 90% of the timer is not a timer, but just you being told a story. (laughs) Wow, that would seem really frustrating. Yeah, and then suddenly it says, all right, well, you have 10% of your time left, and you haven't even started climbing the shaft yet, (laughs) because (laughs) you you were just sitting there listening to the story. (laughs) That is fucking exactly how Wasteland 2 ends. Wow. So you could you could have just left the absolutely, story? absolutely, oh, fuck that, absolutely could have gotten the good oh. ending had I known that a timer started as soon as I beat the end boss. But seriously, the first ninety percent of the timer is just is just exposition. I'm like sitting there listening to this story. I'm like, all right, cool. I this is pretty cool. They have said, you know, you're gonna need to go do this thing. Like, you're gonna be in a hurry eventually. But it's like exposition, 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 exposition. Oh, by the way, ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. <laughs> Game over. Like, huh? Okay. You couldn't and you couldn't reload before that point. I hadn't saved since before the incredibly tedious final boss fight. Oh, so no. I could go back. I could go back and do that fight again, or. I could just fucking YouTube the good ending video, which is, I think, what I'm going to do because... I suddenly want to manufacture fake good ending videos and just populate the world with them because fucking play the game to the end. The thing is, I did play the game to the end. You played the game to an end. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? I probably won't watch the good ending video because I kind of don't care. I mean, I don't... I don't care... I don't care what the ending cutscene is. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I don't give a fuck about the ending cutscene. Like, my experience of that game was I spent 30 hours poking around a wasteland, 
opening different containers and seeing what was in them and recruiting various people to use various gun powers to kill mutants and shit. And I had a great time. And the, the, the frustrating timer bullshit at the end of the game didn't somehow magically retroactively ruin all the fun that I had with it. So maybe I'll play it again someday. I'll try a different party composition or whatever. I, I would be tempted to just go 100% sniper rifle guy. Hmm. And those guys just, you know, one of them is like sniper rifle and lockpicking, and one of them is sniper rifle and hospital man, and one of them is sniper rifle and... Mm, I don't even know. They're knowing... I don't know how many of the sort of optional ancillary characters I got, right? But I feel like you could mm. shore up a lot of weaknesses in your initial four characters by... Yeah. By... I you know, all of all of the NPCs that you can recruit have skill specialties. So if you knew where to go to get them, you could just have every skill without necessarily. I was kind of thinking to... about trying to look up a list of that before playing it, just that I I know that like I'm not gonna dump all of one character's skill points into lockpicking and then half an hour through meet a guy who has more lockpicking than that. Yeah, that is that is very specifically a thing that will happen to you. Yeah. Um, outdoorsman is another skill to not bother with because okay, you can you can take care of that uh, animal uh, husbandry. But these are all at the expense of having somebody else in your party, right? Maybe, but the the outdoorsman and animal kinship or whatever skill like that is a, that is a gal that you get super super early and like oh actually you know only half of people do. I forgot. You have to make this choice in the beginning. There's two places that call for assistance, and I bet each of them has an NPC in it that you can recruit. Because hmm. I chose one, and then the other, like, whichever one you choose, you go help them, and then the other one gets overrun by whatever problem they were having and is a ruin that you then just becomes like a dungeon hmm. the second time around. So that's interesting. I don't know how many later things are. The second act of the game is plagued with. I mean, and I say plagued. This is a thing that a lot of people like. The second half of the game is a lot more like New Vegas than it is like Fallout 3 in that there are all of these different factions and they're all like colorful enough morally that you don't really like any of them. Like any of them could be the bad guys. Any of them could be guys that you hitched your wagon to or whatever. But it seems like... It seems like there are a lot of systems in place for you to not necessarily piss off one or more of the factions, and I ended up kind of pissing off all of them, <laughs> because whenever they would do something abhorrent, then I would suddenly feel like it was okay to kill them, and so it ended up being kind of like NCR and Kaisar's Legion in New Vegas, where it's like, you know, I kind of don't care. Like, I would kind of rather just play it on easy and have all of these people be my enemies than actually support any of their causes because I know the game is going to go out of its way to make me feel bad about allying with whatever organization I choose to not fight. It also does this thing that only happens in video games like this. Like I kind of don't, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been going out of my way to play a lot more RPGs because of the game that, we're going to make next year. I kind of don't ever want to make a game where there is a faction in the game that can either be enemies 
or allies throughout the entire game. Because I feel like in order to support both of those things, you really have to weaken either the ally version of them or the enemy version of them as a game thing. Like, it's always weird to me in a game like this when I go into a place to kill a bunch of just random mooks and a like five of them have names. And it's like, all right, well, this is because in a different playthrough, this would have been a town with NPCs in it that I could talk to and get quests. And maybe that guy like sold shotgun shells or something, Mm -hmm. but now they're just enemies because I've toggled the like state where this is a bad guy faction. But I feel like the design of a town and the design of a dungeon are just not similar enough for that to see. Like, like it's weird how this town has a bunch of chest high walls in it that you could (laughs) use for cover. If you happen to be sieging it instead of, just showing up to try to sell your excess dildos or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, that that kind of thing, I think it triggers that, like, fear of m- missing something or, like, making the wrong mm. decision, and it doesn't ever really pay off because it can't, right? Like, you can't make a game where you make these choices and every choice results in a differently satisfying experience, right? Like if you put in, if you put in the Kaiser's Legion and the NCR, you can't like make a game. You basically have to make two games. If you want either of those choices to result in the same degree of satisfying experience of playing through a story, right? But you don't, you're not going to make two games. So you're going to make the main quest, not care which of those two factions you ally with. And therefore, though you can like change the composition of a town or you can make a thing into a dungeon instead of a store, it it's just toothless at all. It doesn't matter in any real way. It's just that every experience, whether it is going to that town or going to that dungeon is weaker than it would be if those experiences were designed as either a town or a dungeon. Hmm. And I, I just got some of that from this. Like, every once in a while, I would just fuck up because of the way the UI works and just shoot a guy. Like, and you could just, like, kill guys in your own camp. And I don't know what happens then. Like, I don't know if the fidelity of the simulation is good enough that, like, well, I've just gone rogue and I don't get any more missions and I guess I'm not going to be able to finish the game Or maybe you can, like, maybe there's another way, like, maybe if you just kill all of the good guys in the beginning, like, there is a bunch of crazy systemic stuff going on, like, in the final fight, you are sort of joined by, if there's factions that you helped, they will sort of send some representatives that then are with you in the final Hmm. battle as AI-controlled allies, and they're super powerful, like, the fight is way easier than it would be if you hadn't actually helped any of these people in these side quests, and that's really cool, also... One of my allies that I had chosen turned on me in the final fight. And looking at it, it was like, yep, that is absolutely what would have happened (laughs) because of some things about this guy and because of some things about this situation. It's cool that they thought of that (laughs) and made that happen, even though it was annoying that I then didn't have that guy in the final fight. Man, I also there's a certain point where you have to pick one of your guys to like you get accused of letting a prisoner go, even though you didn't do it. But 
before they will let you leave, you have to put one of your out, you have to put one of your characters in the prisoner's place by proxy so that they will let you leave to investigate it. And I, I just chose a guy that I thought was like the least valuable. And then I'm like, fuck, that guy was my lock pick. So like <laughs> until I solved that quest, I just like didn't have the ability to pick any locks anywhere that I went. And I was like, you know, I actually appreciate that more than if I had just made the decision to not level up lock picking on a guy, this would feel way more punitive than the fact that this is happening to me because of a thing that happened in the story. Like I left this guy. Right. I chose him because that guy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fuck. That's the guy that I had been <laughs> grooming to be my lock master. Yeah, that's a good game. It's a good game, and I can wholeheartedly recommend it to everyone. That's cool. Nice. Well, I think you you gotta you gotta have the patience to play a, a sprawling Western RPG. But anyone who has that, highly recommended. And also, oh man, I played. I don't want to talk about this too much. I I was I was formulating my like Andy Rooney rant. Yesterday, because I played about an hour of Middle Earth Shadows of Mordor. Okay. Last night. And I had basically the same reaction to it that I have to every third person game that I try to play with an Xbox controller, which is I am too old to play video games. Like, I need to start only playing video games that are made by old people for old people because. Every second that I spend playing a game with a third-person camera where the left thumbstick controls your movement and the right thumbstick controls the camera, I spend angry because I can't get the camera to do what I want it to do or get the guy to walk through a goddamn doorway on the first try. And I think it is just because I don't spend enough time playing those games to, to, to do it. I want to play more of this game and having read like John Walker wrote a, wrote a rock, paper, shotgun review of it today. And basically said like the first hour of this game is really off putting. If you try to do side mission stuff, which is what I was doing. He said, if you just do the main mission, you doing the main quest line missions unlocks important skills and teaches you important things about using the skills that you do have that just makes the rest of the game way easier. Hmm. So like, don't do the thing that I personally am always inclined to do, which is to go seek out side mission stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Because the combination of being frustrated with the controls and this being my first hour of playing a thing with these controls, like I spent a lot of time last night sort of thinking about, I was, tr I was trying to figure out, I was trying to generalize based on what I saw of my dad's experience with video games. He was a guy who was like sort of casually, but way more than the average person interested in video games. And I was trying to think like his experience of getting older as video games changed in a way that I did not myself find super intimidating, but he did at a certain point. Hmm. So when my dad was my age was like right around when the NES came out. So like I was there and like a conscious thinking human being for that. And it was no problem at all for him. Like moving from basically there are no video games to there is Space Invaders at the bar. Right. There are pinball machines, whatever. There's Space Invaders at the bar, left, right, single button. 
right? There is Pac-Man up, down, left, right, and that's it, right? The Atari has a joystick and a button, and it has, you know, controls on the console, but that's just to get the game started, whatever. You have to read the instruction manual to understand how to use right. this anyway, because there isn't enough memory to give an on-screen prompt about what they're yeah. going to do. The yeah, Nintendo... used them differently. The Nintendo, not at all intimidating, right? Like, just played a ton of Nintendo... Super Nintendo, not intimidating. Xbox, he was like, eh, no. Like, there are too many buttons. Too many buttons on, on this controller. controller. Yeah. But you feel that now about an Xbox. Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah. And so it basically happened to me at the exact same point that it happened to him. Just he was 20, 20 he was 27 years older. Huh. Right. And and I never knew like when we you know, we got him the Xbox when he was when he was sick and mm. you know, it was like, well, you're going to spend God willing, a year in this chair before you're dead. So maybe some stuff to do would be better than just sitting around thinking about how you're dying. Right. So eh, Xbox video games like he had seen a commercial for dead to rights, uh, which was a first gen Xbox game that was just like eh, as a cop game. It had a dog in it, like it was stuff that he was going to like <laughs> and ended up just like the way that he got that was by just like watching me play it and pointing out things because he just couldn't interest he could not make heads or tails of the controller at all i was not like comfortable with it but it, i was i was able to play it adequately enough and like you know we we had fun like him pointing out things that i was missing on the screen or whatever but like that that level of controller complexity was the point at which i saw a guy who was comfortable with technology and comfortable with video games stop being so and I just, because I have never, I've just never internalized it. Every time a prompt comes up to hit a specific button, I don't, I'm not really at the point where I have to look at the controller to find that button. Oh, I always do. But I'm not too far away. Like, I understand if I have a controller in my hands and it says hit RB or RT. Sure. Those I'm like, okay, I know I can't do it fast. But, like, the colored button, the, like, when it says hit the blue button, I always hit the wrong one, and then I have to look right. down, oh, right, right, it's that yeah. one, or whatever. I have, that, I mean, I'm okay, I'm I'm fine in that regard with a PlayStation controller, like, I know which button is square and which button is circle, but I couldn't possibly do it on an Xbox controller. Huh. See, I and I don't, if, and I don't have it on either of them, because I, yeah. I mean, you, you, like, have played Skyrim on a PS3. Yeah. Right. So you have spent you have spent hundreds of hours right. playing. Whereas I've playing played almost PS3. nothing with an Xbox controller. So sure. That's it's it's. I switch back and forth between keyboard and mouse, Xbox and PS3 controller all the time, and I I feel like I'm not amazing with any of them, but like they're all okay. But I guess I also don't play a bunch of like first person shooter type games, which are more twitchy and require a lot more controls or whatever. So this Shadows of Mordor game certainly has that. Like, I, f I find myself wishing that there were just an easier mode. So that square I could... to kiss your wife. Yeah, that that stuff is not there. There were people. I thought that the opening scene of that. I mean, it goes. It was like Zach Gage that was complaining about the yeah. the emotional tone of that. Right. Like, I thought that. That opening was actually pretty effective. All of that. Because it was all like play fighting with your son and yeah then, like, you start out you start out just like sparring with your son to learn you know parrying or whatever because and and it's you know it's but but it's interspersed with 
like it's a cheap trick, but it's Do you play as a human? Yeah, but you've got a weird you've got a weird unspecified elf ghost inside you. Huh. You have to hit a button to switch into ghost mode whenever you're looking around for different I don't know. Is it the Batman detective mode, basically? Kind of. Interesting. It is. This is like, this could have been a Batman game that they lost the Batman license for. Fascinating. At a certain point. I mean, it would have been like Batman in Middle Earth or whatever, but like. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, the that universal ba- mashup where it's just ba- like yeah, all Batman, the best Arkham, features of Mordor. every video game <laughs> yeah. all rolled into one. But it's definitely that style of combat, and it's that, yeah. You just have a lot of fucking moves. Like, you, right trigger goes into stealth mode, but you can run while you're in stealth. The button to run is the same as the button to, like, parkour around on stuff, and, like, I haven't entirely internalized the rules for which things you can climb. A lot of stuff that it doesn't look like you could climb, you just can, and a lot of stuff that it does look like you could climb, you can't, so it's... I know they don't want to, like, oh, here's a rope webbing that we put on every surface that you can climb, but, like, I would rather have that than just be mad and confused all the time. But, anyway... I'm going to go back to it, and I'm going to just focus on main quest story missions for a while and see, because apparently it just unlocks a lot of skills that just make the minute-to-minute combat way easier. But isn't that just more actions that you can take? I don't think so. I think it makes the basic actions more effective. Um, Like, it lets you... I, I think that this is a game that I can figure out the parts of the combat that I understand how to do, and then sort of focus on those focus the character development on those things making those things more effective okay um because it makes me sad that i had such a hard time with it and that it made me feel so old because it seems really cool like there's this just sort of system where there are like ranked officer orcs in Sauron's army that are identified and they're like these randomly named guys and they get a set of traits that are that are Are these the captains yeah like if they kill you if they kill you they level up there will some if time passes certain things trigger time to pass you can just sit there and let time pass they will kill one another they will jockey they will jockey for rank internally later on apparently like just from hearing other podcasts talk about this you can like sort of enslave some of them and say, I want you to kill this other guy. And then after a while he will try and maybe he will succeed and maybe he won't. Like maybe you go help him when, when he on the actual map moves to do it. And like you become aware that this is going to happen. Like this one guy is having a party and this other guy that you sent to kill him is going to go try and kill him during this thing. Like crazy. Yeah. It just seems, it seems like there is a lot of really interesting systemic stuff going on. There was some, like I've heard a bunch of weird, like just sort of tidbits here and there. Like, I don't know what platform you have to play this on, but like if, if some, one of those captains kills somebody that you have in your social network on whatever platform, you can try to kill them as, as like an avengeance thing. Oh, huh. I, th- I yeah, think I've, I've heard that like, if, if you or, or I guess somebody, somebody on your friends list or party or whatever gets killed by just a random mook, it will save that mooks like procedurally generated name and make them a named character that will start to reoccur. 
so that yeah. you can so that you can revenge on I mean, them. And that's later. definitely a thing that happens internally with you. Like if you get killed by a random rank and file guy, he will level up and then start jockeying for position within the army. You you have this like crazy. In addition to the map, you just have this view of like this is the power structure of Sauron's army and like you will just see guys like knock other guys out of position and move forward into the, like the grid space that represents a higher ranked guy. Weird. And it's cool. Like they get, you'll see them level up and like get different outfits hmm. and gain different. Back- and you can like, you can like sort of intimidate mook orcs into telling you things about them. Jeez. And then you like gain Intel that will say, reveal a guy's weakness or reveal an immunity to certain ones of your powers or whatever. Like it is fucking fascinating. That's and crazy. Yeah, I suspect, really cool. I suspect that it is not, as complicated under the hood as the as the results of it would lead you to believe, I'd love to fucking talk to the people who design the systems for this. But like it it just seems really cool. Yeah. And I really would like to be able to play this game so that I can see how some of that stuff plays out. And and I'm glad I am really glad that I read that. I'm glad that that review came out today. Because it was sort of exactly what I needed to hear. I had played it for an hour and thought, ah, fuck this. This is too hard. Because all I was doing was trying to gather all the side stuff. I was trying to get every side objective that was on the map uh, before I went on to the to next the story, mission. story mission. Because that's just kind of how I tell. I'm like, I'm assuming it's going to be hard and I should go do these optional things to level up. But going and doing the optional things is so much harder, apparently. Do the optional things not disappear if you go on the main quest line? I don't think that they do. Okay. No, I think that they are actually just like objects out in the world that you can recover for some more like leveling up currency. <laughs> Whatever. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about returning to it. Like it seems like an awesome thing and the, and the reason that I have bad feelings about it is because of just failings in myself rather than failings in the game. I just don't know that I don't know that I'm ever really going to get over that hump on just third person action adventure stuff. Like I'm, I'm probably content to just, I don't ever, I don't ever get to play the last of us and that's probably fine. And I don't ever get to play an uncharted game and that's probably fine. Here's a question that I have for you and riff. Uh, why are the two of you not just playing, uh, the crypt of the Necrodancer daily challenge every day? Because that game is fucking great. Why aren't you playing the Spelunky daily challenge every day? Uh, Cause I haven't gotten into that, but you guys have both played crypt of the Necrodancer, haven't you? Yeah. I just didn't get into it. I, I missed uh, I missed the end of that question. Why have you not been playing the Crypt of the Necrodancer daily challenge? Like, oh, what's, uh, what is I just kind of fell out of the habit, I guess. Ah, it's so good. It is. It is really good. I have. I have no. Uh, I have. I have no reasonable excuse other than that. I fell out of the habit. What I, mm. I guess I need like a thing that pings on my computer when I log in in the morning. It says, "Hey, go do the Necromant Necrodancer challenge." You're really weakening Merlin Mann's whole whole point here about <laughs> productivity systems. Like, you don't need to set an alarm to tell you to play video games. You don't need to set an alarm to tell you to masturbate. So you don't need to set an alarm to tell you to do your fucking job. That's not the problem. The problem is not that you don't have a sophisticated enough alarm. The problem is that you're not sufficiently motivated intrinsically. Uh, but yeah, if you're talking about setting an alarm to play video games, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just imagining the alarm that you set to like, oh, it's 3 p.m. Sorry, I got to go masturbate. <laughs> well, isn't the 3 p.m. masturbation alarm just the school bell at the elementary school? 
I didn't. I didn't set that. That's just. That's just the one God gave me. Oh, <laughs> it was probably God. That's, that's <laughs> probably who's responsible. For that. <laughs> anything in the anything in the news catch you gentlemen's eye? Uh, Destiny's been shutting down the loot caves. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna. Did you did you actually look into this? Not really. I just, I mean, like, I, so I've not played Destiny. Uh, I, I know a little bit about, like, this whole loot cave phenomenon, which is, like, the apparently the way that the, like, loot tables in that game are structured, it is such that it is only based on the number of monsters that you kill. So each monster has an equal chance of dropping some crazy awesome loot. So you just want the place in the game where you can kill the most stuff in the shortest amount of time mm. um, to get the like craziest gear. Because in Destiny, apparently the level cap is 20, but there is gear that has an attribute that gives you a higher effective level. Um, so like a month after the game came out or like two or three weeks after the game came out, somebody hit level 30, even though the the level cap is actually 20 in the game because they finally got enough gear with the like light attribute. And I was like, oh God, this is creepy. I just found this article that I had opened on my phone by hitting this little cloud button on the iPad, even though my phone is in the other room. Yeah. So, uh, I found this thing with a checklist of why the loot cave thing actually works okay like it, this is just a breakdown of the mechanics of, of and which i thought was really interesting and this was i had a note to talk about this okay. okay so one npc respawn points are blocked by proximity but not line of sight so the way that this initial cave worked is there was like an arena that was supposed to have some mobs on it that was on the top of this hill they didn't want mobs spawning obviously where people could see them right so there was a cave around the corner where mobs if if it detected that there weren't any any mobs on this hill a mob would spawn okay uh, it would then- ignore all aggro generation until it got to the place where it was supposed to be huh. right so it was just it was so these guys would keep running up onto the hill and fighting you if you were fighting them on top of this hill you could attack them as they came out of the cave and they just didn't care right <laughs> They wouldn't spawn in the cave if there was anybody near them, but people with really long-range sniper rifles could just back up, and the way that the terrain was, you could see the cave from far enough away, and you could shoot at it from far enough away that they would still respawn, and they would just respawn. Uh, All right, second one. Individual NPCs in Skywatch, which is this area, respawn six seconds after dying. Jesus. it t- because it takes them a while to get from the cave to where they're right. supposed to be, right? But that's not a place that people are supposed to be paying attention to. Any NPC can drop legendary items regardless of level. Yeah. Which that's, that is, I think, fundamentally the problem sure. with this. Uh, advancement beyond level 20 is possible only through gear. Ambient multiplayer allows players to meet up randomly. Uh, what is that? What, how does that matter? One person can't make the loot cave thing happen. Why? Because one person cannot damage them fast enough to kill them instantly before they get out of range. So that's why it's four to right. five people. So all it the takes time. you have to have a bunch of people standing in the same spot, cooperating to do this in a game that doesn't really give you the tools to find people to do it. Right. So this is a thing that even if they had anticipated this, they probably would have said, "Yeah, people aren't going to bother actually doing this." Right. It is. A, it is a fascinating case study in like player behavior, and then sort of post hoc player opinions about things because when they fix this, which it's, it's a fix right. and not a nerf, yeah. right? People say, but we were having fun shooting, doing this, doing nothing, right? but just shooting into a cave. And the thing a is, mile away. they were, they were having fun. 
Well, they were they were having fun opening their little Skinner boxes or whatever, right? Like, or pulling their pulling their slot machine handles. But they're not lying and they're not wrong and they're not stupid when they say we were enjoying doing this, okay, right? But yeah, sure. Listen, I understand this because I'm on the same side as you, which is the side of people who design a game where shit like this happens and then we have to fix it and then people get mad at us for fixing it. Like, if Bungie had released a game about just standing there shooting at a cave <laughs> and every few seconds you get some loot. There are a lot of people who would have had that running in a fucking browser tab right. for days yep. enjoying that <laughs> loop of that thing. But then people would have said, what is this cookie clicker bullshit? Right. Right. When it was a thing that the players discovered and felt clever about and got that same endorphin rush from the goodies that they were getting out of it then it suddenly becomes a thing that they're going to be sad when you take it away. It sucks. Like, there's not a good way out for anybody, which is, I mean, you know, the, the solution is, well, don't don't design a game with these shitty exploits possible in the first place. But like, okay, don't design a game that is interesting and can have anything unexpected pop up in it. Like, I don't know. It's... I that's, think that they're, is they're, interesting that it was a, it was that many different disparate factors which really made it viable, all coming together. I didn't I I did not realize the uh, the whole range requirement and like this particular little spawning area was separate from from standard kind of situation. Because they shut this one down, but then somebody found another spot that worked similarly enough that you could do the same thing. It is problematic <clears throat> to have every monster in the game. Drop gear that is potentially endgame viable. Though you know they came at that from a, it would be really fun if every once in a while you got a really useful thing, no matter what monster you killed. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that you could solve this problem by just eliminating that chance if you kill the same monster three times in a row. Sure. Yeah, right. like, I mean, because then you just can't farm the same space. You have to wander around the world, which is what they want. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, World of Warcraft's solution was, I mean, any random mob in the world can drop a world a legendary gear. purple. Yeah, yeah, but those are level. Pat, yeah, but those are those are level dependent. So they're really awesome stuff for the level at which you get it. But they're they're not end game gear. And I mean that works. I like I still yeah, remember that was great. I still remember getting a cool pair of gloves over by the gray main wall. And it yeah. wasn't even like cool for my character, but like it was like a it was like it a was, purple or whatever. It, yeah, I got it was an individual fucking item drop in a game that I played and probably got a hundred thousand item drops over the course of playing it, and I remember it. And that's the experience that they're trying to to create here right. by 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 letting enemies out in the world have a small chance of giving you something really awesome. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean it is in in WoW they are leveled, right? I feel really bad for anybody trying to make a game that is good in any of the ways that WoW is good now because people will not tolerate a game that takes you more than a few days to get to the level cap. God fucking damn it. Cuz fuck yeah, that. Yeah, it's I, like, fuck that. Like yeah. I want a game. I want a game that takes six months to get to the level cap it is it fun is the whole time that that for right for like, a game like wow we're like what like what what did it turn out like three percent of players of wow ever raid and yet the the developers of it seem to be focusing so hardcore on the raiding game to the exception of 
the part that the majority of the people are actually playing? Well, I don't, I mean, I, th- I feel like the, they had enough content in yeah. first couple of year. Wow. Where you could, you could yeah, level several characters to 60. I was a slow player and I didn't care that they were focusing on raid content because there was a shitload of stuff that yeah. I hadn't seen in the non raid content. Right. Yeah, like, like, I, like playing. Cause you, you, you play even, you could play two or three horde characters to level 40 or 50 and not see a ton of repeat content. Eh, except everybody had to go through the barons, right? Well, like, which sure that, but, but there were and a everybody lot of hated the barons and that's why you'd go. That's why the chat in there was just terrible <laughs> racism. And, but Chuck then you Norris play terms. Alliance and you have like a bunch of other quests. Yeah. Like there is, there is just a ton of, there was just ton, tons and tons and tons of leveling content in there. And that, like, you know, we, we've said this like a dozen times already. Like, the leveling content in that game for all three of us, I think, was so much fun. And, like, what we considered the game, that, like, the idea of people wanting to skip all that to get to the, the in-game yeah. stuff, which was also cool, but just, like, a separate game entirely. Yeah, the notion, the no, like, I don't really, it just became, like, this common sense assertion, the game starts at the level cap. Yeah. And... Yeah. That is so harmful and so untrue and so just wrongheaded from everyone's perspective. Like it just makes, it makes all of the work that went into creating the leveling content, which is the overwhelming majority of what almost everyone who plays the game actually experienced. It just trivializes the effort that went into making that the compelling experience that it had to be in order for the game to be as successful as it was right and so i it's weird man like i don't remember ever actually talking to anyone who believed that all i remember is seeing person after person after person saying it online and then game after game subsequently being designed as though it was true and yeah. and World of Warcraft shifting in that direction. Yeah. I mean World of so Warcraft heavily. had to had to speed things up, right? Like it took it took months to hit the level cap and for them to increase the level cap, if they hadn't changed anything else, each expansion would have taken several more months to get a character to the level cap, which is fine until you want to do it again on an alt, right? They, I mean, the solution that they, that I thought they would have come up with was buy this item for 10 bucks and you can get 80% to the way to the level cap or whatever, right? Like, or. Yeah. Well, which they did. I mean, they did that. Right. Ultimately. It's, it's still fun to level in World of Warcraft. It happens really fast, but it's fun and you can still level four characters and never see the same thing twice. Right. Right. Because there are, well, n- yeah, now there's, got there a is a less situation. overlap than there used to be, except for, except for once you get into the expansion territory, actually, because God knows four of assholes are never going to get a, let them get away with something as good as cataclysm again, because everyone just fucking hates it, even though it's clearly the best thing that ever happened to wow. Huh. Do people hate it? I hadn't heard that. It is it is overwhelmingly at the bottom of everybody's list when they do polls about like which expansions did you like the best? Huh. Which is crazy. fucking crazy. Yeah, that's I do absurd. not like my my awesome. my preference of those expansions is just the opposite of everyone else's and I don't I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. It's weird. And I like 
part of me wants to believe that like, no, everybody's like me. I'm reasonable. I'm not a fucking crazy weirdo. <laughs> like everybody else is just, at least not there, for that there is reason. like, there is this selection bias. Uh, like if you're, Oh, the reason that I'm going to fill out this survey is not because it's important to me that the data be accurate and well represented. And I'm not a guy who fills out surveys, but I'm going to take the time to fill this one out because I feel like I might otherwise be un- underrepresented. I guess that makes me a guy who fills out surveys. Like <laughs> I have always filled out surveys explicitly because I don't want to. Like I don't want to spend the time filling out surveys, but I feel like I owe it to the data to not just let enthusiastic survey fill outers be weird represented in the data. I filled out a survey on Bart the other day. Uh, like while you were on Bart yeah, or about some, Bart? Somebody handed me a survey while I was on Bart about Bart. Huh. And then I filled it out while I was on Bart. Oh, like on paper. It was on paper. Hmm. What did you say about it? Uh, I'm glad the cars are carpeted. It was fine. Like, I, you know, I have no, I have no major complaints about Bart. Oh, the other news story. Um, I was actually going to talk about this this week, but I've decided to put it off until next week. Massively reported that Star Wars The Old Republic was going to announce their next uh, expansion, but they have deferred the announcement of that expansion until later. That was a news item? Yeah. We almost had some news, guys, uh, <laughs> but we don't. News at 11. There was a massively article that was like, Star Wars The Old Republic was going to announce the next expansion, The Something of Ravan. And it was seriously, we know it's like the S of Shadows of Ravan. Could be Star Wars of Ravan. (laughs) Starts with S. Shroud. They were going to announce it, but then they decided, they announced that they weren't going to announce it. (laughs) We're g- I'm going to make a big announcement on Friday, guys. That announcement is that I'm not going to announce something on Friday. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking Games Press, man. Yep, it's cool. It It isn't terrible because of any of the stupid bullshit reasons that Gamergate claims that it's terrible, but it's still terrible. <laughs> let's, let's not... Uh, yeah, it's fine. Let's not kid ourselves. But it is getting better. Right, like people. There are there, there are, are people, islands of it that are. There fine. are people that are starting to think about games in really interesting ways, and I'm glad, you know. And like, there's room for all kinds of hats in this economy. I really want a filter on Touch Arcade, hmm. for instance, which is don't show me any games that I can't fucking buy. Like, just, I don't care about upcoming iOS games. If I go to Touch Arcade, it is because I want to find out about a game and fucking play it. Would be a filter that was like, only show me, show me these as new items once they actually are released. There you go. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's things that are like reviews of currently games that are out and also games that were reviewed a month ago, but are finally out now. So part of me is bitter because let's just imagine that we made a game that had two articles written about it on Rock, Paper, Shotgun before it came out and zero when it did come out. Right. Let's imagine that that happened to us. Uh-huh. That would maybe, that would maybe make it a little frustrating to think about, you know, the enthusiast press. How many gamers do you think read Rock, Paper, Shotgun versus developers? I don't know. That's an excellent question. Probably not a whole lot. 
I mean, enough people read them that they're able to like they make money. Oh, there's like there's like advertising revenue. Yeah, like they they have it is enough of a thing that it is actually profitable and employs some people and is not just like it's not like in the polygon situation where it's like, well, we're you know, this is going to exist as an outlet until we run out of venture money and no one can make any money on the Internet. Whatever. Although I'm worried that Rock, Paper, Shotgun might be in trouble because they started setting up paid like subscription content which is fine like it doesn't change what it is it's just like uh, you could give us money if you want yeah hmm. they also just, recently hired a new person so they can't be but they also off. somebody also recently left i oh, mean do they? Hmm. yeah i it, mm, the press man the problem is that everyone is making a video game <laughs> Right. And everyone thinks that they're worth the press's time. And so you can't just like email somebody and say, hey, you know, we made this thing. It's real. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of our lives developing it. And it's real. Right. Because everyone will say that. Like the cost of saying that is zero. The cost of saying that is not hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of yours and other people's lives. It's zero to say that you've done a thing. Man, everything, everything just has to be collapsed into like a soundbite, man. Like, when, when is there going to be some fucking authenticity in the world, man? Like, I got an idea, man. Let's just like buy some land out where the land is cheap because there isn't any water and then like move out there and just live off the land, man. Off the land, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the landlord. We'll say, hey, man, can we have some water? Didn't I just give you water yesterday? Yeah, it's like, We just kept being thirsty, man. (laughs) So this assignment. Yeah. What was our assignment? Heavy Heavy bullets. Heavy bullets. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it, but I wasn't any good at it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, um, It's a good distillation of the stuff that I like in a first person shooter and the way that I play first person shooters i, I thought this really would be stalky snipey yeah. sort of conservation of ammo and goods and making every shot count sort of mode how uh, did you how far did you get into the game uh, not far i made it to level three once okay um yeah i made it to level three once also i found I, it i found it really enjoyable but not the sort of game that i would sit down and play for hours i would like i would sit down and go what am i going to do now oh, i'll play around a heavy bullets and i'd play one round until i died and then go to another game it's it's like a good appetizer game yeah i would like work for an hour and then play a game and then work for an hour and then play a game yeah. it, like, it rewards being super careful mm-hmm. like I, I got i so I, I was able to get to the boss at the end of level four twice and just got my shit wrecked by that boss each time. And was that the one that was a spider with turrets for yeah, legs? The, the spider, it's just a spider built out of turrets, basically. Oh, it's man. just, it's fucking, it is fucking brutal. And I like, I don't have any sense of how to prepare and practice against for that boss fight. And it takes like 20 or 30 minutes to get there because you have to be super careful. So it's, it is a, a huge disincentive for me to like really invest in that game because the boss fight is just so fucking hard. I mean, I wonder if somebody who is especially good at shooters doesn't have to spend 20 minutes being super careful and getting through. But if you can just uh, run and gun and that's what. So, so 
Like, The Binding of Isaac is a game that a lot of people find off-puttingly difficult, but if you are good at Robotron, or if you get good at Robotron by playing The Binding of Isaac, uh-huh. it becomes less of, like, a Twitch challenge and more of a resource management Ooh. game, mm-hmm. okay. where you're you're figuring out what things can be traded for what other things, which things are going to be the most advantageous, and it, it, like, largely becomes a thing that you can be pretty good at. Weird you know, vagaries of circumstance notwithstanding. Like, sometimes you just get a bad run, sometimes you fuck up. Right. Spelunky, it is a brutally difficult platformer until you get good at it, and then it is kind of a resource management and optimization puzzle. Right. Figuring out how to get the most out of each level, figuring out how to not miss anything, doing it fast enough that the timer doesn't, you know, doesn't screw you up, or starting to exploit the timer to get a higher score. Sure. This... I don't know that this ever crosses over, though, right? Because you can't just, like, speed run through the level because you're going to get shot in the back by turrets, right? Like, But you can never fuck up and get bitten by a snake, right? Like, how would you do that if you're running around not paying attention to the... You you learn where the snakes are. I mean, they're, they're consistent, right? Right, yeah, they're always in a bush. Like, you just shoot every bush and run past it and reload on the fly just in case. I, I don't... Wow. Look, if I knew how you could be good at fast-paced twitch shooters then i wouldn't be terrible at them right but (laughs) i am imagining that there is a person for whom this would because it appears to be a well-designed version of this kind of thing okay Mm -hmm. it appears to be a thing where they have been that you're you're like figuring out the way the door mechanisms work is is fascinating the the fact that the levels are more or less just corridors that are divided into a series of rooms right I wonder if it was like that to begin with or if they eventually, if they were on squares to be, it also seems like kind of eldritch influence. Yeah, it feels, it feels got that hatch at the end. It's got, it, it it feels the same as eldritch in a lot of ways. Agreed. Um, I wonder if it used to be. There a are grid of rooms, and then th- that that was too confusing because every wall looks exactly there are like every other passageways wall. around what is otherwise a a standard security door, which is interesting to me. Like, so like once you you open doors, and once you've opened like three of them, the f- or is it just two of them? It's, I, like, it's a matter. I think it's a matter of time and or distance, and I'm not sure which. I still didn't. I didn't like pin down exactly how that works. But the open doors behind you start to become like these laser barrier doors yeah. that you can go through. It just hurts you. Yeah, it takes yeah. so. Yeah. Heart, yeah. So that's away. a thing that stops you from like, oh, I found a health machine at the beginning of the level. I'm gonna run back to it and heal yep. from the end of the level because so instead of a time limit, it just becomes it's. It's binding of Isaac, like in that regard, right? Like you can't just leave things there and expect to go back and get them because there is a thing that is driving you forward. In the binding of Isaac, there's not a thing doing that. Well, it's each except level. exiting the level. Yeah. Um. So, so I wait. guess it's more akin to the ghost in Spelunky than it is to the binding of Isaac, but yeah. I suspect that this is a good game for the kind of person who is good enough at shooters to turn it into the good game that it is. I did not stop encountering new things. Um, was there like a new kind of enemy on every single level? There was. There was. There was multiple new kinds of enemies on pretty much every level, and. Sometimes I would encounter them super early. Like I once encountered a flying enemy on level two, which was weird. 
No, so I, I feel, feel like, like those B things, I see a lot of those on level two. I so like I hadn't seen them for multiple playthroughs getting to level three. I had only ever seen them once on level two. There were those things that looked like three spheres. Yeah, those like bomb. Yeah. Do the how were how did those differ from the flies? Those are always on the ground. Really? The purple the purple things that are spheres? Oh, I thought of them as like sets of three green spheres that were flying through the air. Three green spheres? I've never even seen that one. Huh. I'm talking about the I'm talking about the pink spheres on the ground that explode as a bomb when they either hit you or you shoot them. Hmm. There's three green spheres in the air. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, okay, that's. I mean, it's possible that I've just never encountered them. I could have gotten the color and the means of locomotion uh, and the number wrong. There's I guess. the like. There's the monsters that have the like spikes, spiked front that charge at you, and they are only vulnerable in the back. That might only show up on level four. Mm, yeah, I never saw those. Um, but I wish the environments the had been a little more varied. Yeah, they start having more like plant life and rocks and stuff like that. It's like as you get deeper into it, it's like more and more wild. It seems like. Also, why you're sort of both outside and inside? Ah, uh, there are there are rocks. The opening seems to indicate that you're in some sort of hunting. Like, are you in an artificially created hunting grounds? Um. Boop. <sighs> That the inter the, like the intro narrative seems to imply that you're in some sort of corporation that things have gone wrong on and you're and you're being sent down to the eighth floor to deal with whatever's causing the problem. Fuck, I don't know. Is it like a weird Legend of Grimrock thing where you're actually in a huge tower and when you go deeper, you're getting closer to the ground? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this was a good this was a good find. I'm yeah. I'm I agree. Anybody who likes I w- I could recommend this to anyone who likes Eldritch. Sure. Like I feel like it is the same kind it's of not game. Stealth it is. Well, isn't it? You wouldn't call it It is careful sh- it's careful sniping. I kind of think of that yeah. as more or like less stealth, the same. There are there some isn't games where like you re- just don't interact with enemies. Yeah, right? I guess that's avoid. true. I mean, it's not like it's not like things don't see you. Yeah, it's they like, always see you every time you are within line of sight. Yeah. Um, but I also I also found novel items, though, that I didn't know what they did. Like, did, did you guys ever figure out what a... Uh, Silver life? No, that's just that's just life that you hold. It's just like that gets damaged first if you take oh, damage. Oh, huh. Um, the, uh, the ones that confused me... So there was a teleporter, which I never used... Because I don't know what that would do. And then there was the... Uh, Guessing it would teleport you. Yeah, but I don't know where. Like, what what would that mean? Just to a different place on the level? I, yeah, I should have just used it. Like, But it, like by the points I got those, I was I felt like I had been making so much progress that I didn't want to like experiment right. anymore. Um, and there was the... Uh, crap. It was a... Uh, there's the thing that lets you f- hear enemies nearby. The like... What are those? What is that called? Like a like an sensor. echolocator, like a sensor of some kind. I forget what that's called. And then there's the um, there was one that was like would blow up bombs, like a transmitter or something. Hmm. But I again never got that to work because I don't know. I don't know what in what situation are there unexploded bombs nearby? I got some speed boots once. That yeah, was pretty good. I wore those. I've worn those. I've worn snake boots from time to time. Oh, what do those that do? do? That just you can you. If you walk on snakes, you kill them, so you don't have to worry about snakes anymore. Oh, yeah, they're they're nice, man. Um, 
I mostly got killed by turrets. Did you ever pick up a yeah. cursed gem? No. So some there are, there are weird crystals, one of which is a cursed gem, which just lowers all your stats while you're holding on to it. Okay, good. Can you get rid of it? Uh, by trading it with another item. Oh. Uh, there are throw gloves which i just never figured anything out because I, I didn't understand how they would how they would work with anything. did they not just like make your grenades throw further i didn't notice them doing that i never found a situation in which i thought grenades were really helpful you didn't you would never like toss them at a, a turret that you were having a hard time with no i i guess if i had like learned how to wind them up and move and then mm. throw them but like my problem with turrets was always like trying to get within view of the thing that you had to shoot and shoot it before I got hit twice. And I was just not fast enough. My reflexes uh, and brain plasticity are not what they used to be. On the HUD in the lower right corner, there's like a yellow circle that looks like a coin and it says times three. What is that? Those are your grenades. Oh, how do you use them? Left shift. Oh. And I think the longer you hold it down, the further you'll throw it. If you just hit it, you just kind of, you just kind of dribble it out in front of you. And all right. I didn't understand that. I think so. Maybe the throw gloves extend the range that you can throw Ah. stuff. I don't know that that's how they work, but I that assumed would, that, that would make they sense. had to have more of a range than you get if you I just, just I always shift. just dribble them out in front of me towards a thing that was nearby, but I was having a hard time shooting, uh-huh. and that worked fine. But I think you're probably right. You probably wind up. I mean, it's a compelling story, at least. I don't. Yep. I don't know if it's based <laughs> on anything real. It would make sense. I would play other games like this. Yeah, I mean, the thing that interested me in this to begin with was procedurally generated 3d space mm-hmm. that is not a thing that is actually interesting about this game but this game turned out to be interesting in other ways so it's, that's it is effectively 2d right? yeah yeah there's, there's like no at least on the first four levels there's nothing that i've encountered where i go above or below something else and it's weirdly like the division of the space is like it is procedurally generated in let me let me start that sentence over. It is not procedurally generated levels so much as it is levels consisting of procedurally generated arenas that you fight in. Right? Because huh. there's not a tremendous... Did you ever at any point find a key card? Oh, yeah. A bunch of times. Huh. Well, I just never found one. So it there's was... Sometimes on, there's sometimes on the pedestals and sometimes they drop from monsters when you kill them. Huh. Yeah, I just never saw one in all the games that I played. Yeah, me neither. I don't think well, I ever saw a locked door where I needed a key card, the, though. It's the, the purple, the yeah, purple the, ones instead of the cyan, or the magenta ones instead of the cyan ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they often, they, they almost always have a, a pedestal in them with something that's pretty cool on it. But, you know, it's just like a line of rooms, and sometimes there's multiple doors leading between the two rooms, but they always go to the same place. No, they're dead ends. Really? Yeah. There's also secret passages and hmm. hidden doorways and stuff. Like there there's oh, really? there is more going on. So it the environments are so undifferentiated though that it's Yeah. Yeah, you know. It's like procedurally generated in the same way that garbage river is procedurally generated. Yes. It's still just a garbage river. It's that's like true. that's cool, but it's amazing. <laughs> So we made this we made this super minimal game uh called Garbage River um that it it only has two two chunks, three chunks, 
of like data with a couple of variables to it, but it feels like it's just a bunch of crazy variable. It was more than stuff that. Going on. I think it was more than more than two or three. I think it was. But three. it's just like a. No, I think it's like, like a, you look effectively at it, a tiger three. handheld game. Uh, that is just you running a boat down a procedurally generated. River but I think it's. I think it's literally three three chunks with a couple of like questionable whether they're on or off bits, mm. and that's it. I think it was good. That was the one that Kevin made. We all, the three of us made a game and mine was boring and Riff's was terrible and Kevin's was really good. <laughs> Riff's did involve eating burgers though. So that's yes. it. I Thematically, it's the winner. I disembodied head <laughs> and conveyor belts. Yeah. And what else do you want in a game? That's true. Garbage river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail, yes. Wait a minute, fuck. Do you want to Kevin. answer some some listeners' mail? No, I want to say what the next assignment is. Oh, it's a it's gonna be a it's gonna be a quadrumvirate of spooky video games for this October. Let's hope we've only chosen two. Uh, the first one is Never Ending Nightmares by Matt Gilgenbach, uh, of which of is a game that he made. Fame. He did a Kickstarter for it after his spectacular failure to uh, make any money off of re- retrograde. Retrograde. Yeah. Retrograde. Um, we saw a talk that this guy did at GDC about all of the time and effort that he spent making these things that no one cared about. Yep. Um, and we were like, wow, you're speaking to us. <laughs> yep. He pointed at the things and he showed us what they were. And we were like, okay, yeah, I can see how that would be really, really complicated to actually implement and that no one would ever notice or care yep. that you had done it. But then he did a Kickstarter for this game, Never Ending Nightmares, which was a more personal game about the horrors of being him working on a video game. Um, and I guess it came out and it's good. Yep. I'm excited. Cool. I backed it. It barely funded. But he got matching some matching funds from the Ouya game, Ouya fund. Thing. Oh right, so, Did, huh? Did it actually then come out on Ouya? It's out now on Ouya. Huh. Yep. It has to, it, it released simultaneously on PC and Ouya. Oh right, I knew that because all of my friends who are constantly playing the Ouya were talking about this game. <laughs> Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail yes. for the listener's mail segment that we always, always skip, how would they go about doing that? Well, you could tweet us at VGHotDog. You could email us VGHotDog at gmail.com or you could go to our website, VideoGamesHotDog.com, where there's a lovely form that you can fill in with questions or comments or sexts or Russian Or just brides. the phrase hot video. Or hot That's a thing video. that happens pretty frequently. Yep. Kevin, if somebody wanted to find you on Twitter, how would they go about doing that? I'm at Puzzle Theory. Riff, if somebody wanted to find you on Twitter, how would they go about doing that? I'm at Rifflesby. Kevin, if somebody wanted to find me on Twitter, how would they go about doing that? You're at Zap Jackson. If somebody wanted to give us a review or a rating, how would they go about doing that? I'd recommend checking out our iTunes page. <laughs> at iTunes.com slash video games podcast. <laughs> That's just slash not charts slash two seventy-five. <laughs> Um, wow, that is that a real thing? We're pretty consistently in the two seventies. Oh, so we've broken the top. Oh yeah, we have broken the top three hundred. We are we are firmly ensconced in the top three hundred. How does that work? I have no fucking idea. If you go to the webpage for us, the the most the most prominently featured review is from two thousand twelve. Okay, uh, I don't know. Maybe 
maybe a lot of people do the reviews that review have helpful. reviews maybe that yeah, review maybe the was reviews given have a bunch meta of reviews but, but, but that review is given a bunch of five stars <laughs> guys i've had such a good time recording this episode yeah, this of video games hot dog with you and uh and i hope we do it again real soon i like i like how we tell the listeners that it was a good episode so that they they think you know Riff is right. It was a good episode. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good episode. I just Riff said I had it was a good, good time episode. doing it. Oh. Well, we. We. By we, you mean Riff, I guess. Yes. Well, because we, we are a collective. Anyway, listeners, I hope you'll <laughs> join us for the next fantastic episode of Video Games Hot Dog. And, and until you do... Oh, God. Keep your head in the toilet. Stop. And keep reaching for the fridge. Stop it. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Hardly anybody's talking about that. A lot of people are doing it. Tens of thousands of, tens of thousands of turns spent. Turns spent. No, well, tens of thousands of tens of turns. Tens of thousands of, of, of tens turns. of thousands of tens or threes of turns. Tens or threes. <laughs> so somewhere between threes of thousands and tens of thousands. Threes of tens. Threes 30, of tens of thousands. of thousands. Somewhere between threes of tens of thousands and tens of tens of thousands of turns. <laughs> so let's say seventies thousands of turns. <laughs>